Welcome back to the Boys Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Schaefer. No Sloan today. Uh, it is 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, and Sloan's bagging some leaves. Uh, this is what happens when you're a uh, or you're living in a home. Sloan's not a homeowner, but I wouldn't be surprised if all you boys were out there bagging some leaves today, getting ready for the winter, cleaning your yard up, trying to keep it from dying. I'm in my apartment. Uh, no leaves for me to bag. Uh, just woke up and decided, you know, the group's getting a bit whiny this week. They need a podcast and I can deliver it. It got me thinking, why do people care about the podcast so much? I don't even know if people are actually even listening to it to completion. Uh, I think it's more so that when there's not a podcast, people get disappointed. It it could be a sign that potentially the care for the league is dying, right? That we don't really want to talk about what's happening on a week-to-week basis, at least Sloan and I. I know Doughboys are always going to be there for their week. It'll be up Wednesday night, Thursday night, guaranteed. But I think the unpredictability of the week that Sloan and I host is almost kind of becoming a specialty, right? You never know when it's going to drop, who's going to be on it, if it's going to happen. We've been doing this podcast for years at this point, right? The fact that we've made it this far, truly incredible. I'm going to say it. Making it to 50 episodes, something that, you know, most podcasters never even get close to. We we might have talked about this on the podcast before. I can't remember. But it is an incredible feat to make it this far. And when we were doing the first 10, 15 episodes, I would look forward to it. I get a little nervous energy to do the podcast. At this point, I still love it. You know, deep down, I have a desire to bring you guys great content. But I'm not going to lie. It's a lot harder now. I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk about. I feel like I'm almost like a broken record when it comes to talking about fantasy football. I don't want everything I say to be repetitive for you, which is why it's been great to have the Doughboys this year. But I figured this week you could come on or I could come on. I could just talk. I have some thoughts. I have some notes written down. And I'm just going to, you know, use this as an opportunity to go solo. I haven't done solo in over a year. I did my first one. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, Talking to yourself is different. Um, it, it really, I, I when I'm talking on a solo pod, let me just like get you into the mind of a solo podcaster right now. Biggest thing I'm thinking about is not rushing, not trying to get the next word in, eliminating fillers. I don't have a script. This is all off the top of my head. It's like somebody threw me and gave me a PowerPoint deck and just said, talk for 30 minutes. I have, like I said, I have some notes. Um, but I'm just trying to take my time. We're not in any rush today, guys. This is an intimate 
30 minutes, you and me talking about what's going on in the boys league. Maybe my dog, you might get a guest appearance. She's barking it up back there. She's like, I, I don't want this to be a real solo pod, dad. I want to be there to support you, uh, which I appreciate. It's always nice to have some a, a guest pop in, you know, for a few barks when they're available. Before we get into fantasy football, Boiler Ball is back this week. Good to be back. I'm sucked in already. That first game, looking good. I'm not a BTN Plus subscriber. I'm more of a box score watcher when it comes to having to pay extra money outside of my already existing cable subscription that I pay over $50 a month for to watch the a top five team in the country. We can't even get on BTN and watch last night's game. I watched the box score. Great game. I saw the spread before the game started at 29 and a half. I think it might have closed at 30. Push? Pushing a minus 30? I don't know. Pretty surprising that that actually even happens. I feel like the odds of pushing a minus 30 are incredibly low. But we'll take another win. Games are really going to start to pick up this week. Xavier, Gonzaga. Got a lot of Zag fans out here in Washington where I'm living. Uh, I'm going to put some friendly wagers down. I always love to add a little bit extra when I can. Um, So, yeah. My my bet against some Zag fans out here. It's gonna that was the game that really set us off last year when we beat Gonzaga. We knew that we were the real deal. I already feel like we're the real deal this year. Uh Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer looking great. That box score last night from Braden Smith for I mean for a college game, you don't really see a lot of people going eleven points, eight rebounds, eleven assists, nearly putting up a triple double. We like to see that. Lance Jones also looking like a pretty good transfer as well. Uh, you know, this isn't a boiler basketball podcast. I'm just I'm just going to say that I'm glad that it's back. Uh, I ha- Like I mentioned before, I haven't really been watching much NFL football this year. Um, primarily, that boils down to the fact that I cannot actually enjoy it. Um, I may I, I've definitely talked about this before. When it comes to the table format, because every point, every reception, every touchdown, every interception matters in some way for my position in the standings, it's hard for me to watch football without just thinking about fantasy points being scored by other teams. I'm in one league this year where it's not a table format. And I really. I'm kind of enjoying it. Yes, I get those dumb-ass fantasy football moments where I put up the second lowest to points in the league, but I still win my matchup. And I have to roll my eyes because all my coworkers, they're probably thinking, oh, I can't wait for this head-to-head this week. And, and boys, we have perfected fantasy football scoring. The table is unrivaled. There are cons, though. I don't know if you guys experience this, but I find it impossible to watch NFL football, especially on the 10 o'clock slate on Sunday morning. My brain is like 
the Zach Galifianakis gif of watching Red Zone or watching uh, the quad box on Sunday ticket. And I'm just like calculating the points for everyone on, on who's getting touchdowns and everything. I can't handle it this year. Spent nearly $500 for Sunday ticket. I split it with two other people. So $130 for Sunday ticket. I can't even watch it because one, like I mentioned, my brain is going everywhere trying to figure out who's actually scoring points while also stressing out about this team that I have invested tons of resources into to see if they will actually perform. Since I've acquired all these great assets, by the way, my team has not actually exceeded its projected points in any week. We'll get there. Don't worry. The other reason? Football is very long. It's hard to watch a three-hour football game on a Sunday. I find myself watching the Thursday and Monday games actually quite a bit more often than I'll watch any games on a Sunday. The Sabbath, I'm resting. I don't want to spend my whole rest day watching football, feeling stressed out. I'll check the fantasy scores, obviously. I'm not, you know, you know I'm invested. But sitting down for a three-hour game, it really just sucks it out of you. And that's what I love about Boiler Ball. I get to watch two hours. I could even watch it on delay. Skip some of those commercials. I know we're going to get into some gritty matchups down the stretch. There's going to be six timeouts in the last two minutes. Some shit like that. Boom. I'm clicking forward YouTube TV. Like like I'm watching YouTube. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, let me me rewind that Miles Colvin alley-oop from half court. That's going to be me this year. I'm just glad it's back. I have no fantasy ties. Just emotional pain with boiler ball. And I'm not feeling fire painter just yet. I'm sure I'll get there. I always get there every year. Um, my dad's not watching Purdue basketball this year, which is huge uh, for my mental health, I think. Um, every time I get on the phone with him, he even he's not even watching basketball. He called me just because he heard that we lost to Arkansas in the preseason. I just, I don't need that this year. If if we make it, we know why. We know why, boys. Michael Schaefer, not watching Purdue basketball. He's made me the fan I am today. So thanks, Dad. But you need a year off. Your mental health has definitely been impacted by the Boilers. All right, Sloan, cue the intro music. I don't know if you did it already. But I'm I'm getting into fantasy football now. Uh, I've done my cold open, as they say. It only took me 15 minutes, but I'm ready to dive in. We're here. You may be thinking, number one topic, Josh, Anga just finished first in the table last week. Why aren't we starting there? It's trade deadline. The table will be there. I'll get to it, but I love a good trade. And that's what I want to talk about the most. And this is my podcast. It's me going solo. So I'm going to talk about exactly what I want to talk about in the order that I want to talk about it. 
So we're going to go through the two trades that have been made thus far. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about what do I think about the trade deadline? What other moves maybe should be made? How am I feeling about the next two days before it officially closes? So we'll start off with the biggest deal. You may have seen me posted in the group me. I know we're all very busy boys. But Brian and Dylan, the two most unlikely trade partners, in my opinion. I don't know if they've ever even done a deal before. I think this is their first one. Dylan receives Debo Samuel. My Joshua Schaefer's 2024 second. Brian receives Michael Wilson, the rookie from Arizona. Michael Pittman, two Michaels. Michael Pittman from Indianapolis and a 2025 fourth, courtesy of Austin Merida. I'm going to start with Dylan's side here. Dylan never does deals. Dylan is insanely lucky in fantasy football. Every choice Dylan makes seems to turn out the right way. I'm feeling pretty good about this one continuing that trend. Within a day, Debo Samuel, full participant in practice. He's playing this week. Of course he is. Dylan's buying Debo at probably his like app his lowest in three years. Brian has been I mean, he came on the podcast saying, like, my team is untouchable, except Debo Samuel, basically begging to get rid of Debo Samuel. I don't blame him. Honestly, I would not be a Debo Samuel buyer at this point. That's kind of a weird team to me. Ayuk is there. Kittle is there. McCaffrey is there. Mid-quarterback play in Brock Purdy. No offense, Brock Purdy still a decent quarterback, but... There's no consistency, and and Debo Samuel isn't enough of a stud to just guarantee targets. But that's where the Dylan factor comes into play. 12 targets a week, minimum for Debo going forward. And with that 2024 second, if it's my pick, it's probably going to be 2.7. I'm going to finish last in the playoffs with the luck that I've had. Dylan's going to have the best tight end in the NFL next year sitting available at that pick brian it's gonna hurt when you see debo getting those 12 targets a game when you see the next sam laporta there at 2.7 and you get and you know michael wilson torn acl in the next three weeks michael Pittman, anthony richardson coming back next year throwing it to Pittman five times a game while he's getting concussed every other second if i'm taking the luck factor out of this I don't mind the deal, actually. I'm kind of a Pittman believer. He's a year younger than Debo Samuel. With Minshew, he's looking really good. And I think Brian gets very, you know, Brian, I love you. This isn't this isn't going to be that. Uh, it's not going to be like, I love you, and then I'm going to tear into you. But I, I am going to say, make some observations based on our conversations. You're very concerned with the timeline of your team, which I get. You have no picks, right? You need to preserve assets that will continue to accumulate value. Michael Pittman is a year younger than Debo Samuel. In that sense, he fits the timeline a little bit better. If I'm acquiring Michael Pittman, 
I'm nervous about Anthony Richardson coming back. We saw it at the start of the season. Richardson does not throw the football. Now, Michael Pittman did have 11 targets, 12 targets, and 11 targets in those first three games. I don't know if that's really sustainable. I mean, if Anthony Richardson's going to get concussed every other game, like, or injured like he was early on, you know, that's good. But I think you have a pretty defined ceiling with Michael Pittman, and it's a midway range wide receiver, too, in the DJ Moore level. Oh, that's going to hurt, Brian. That's probably the most hurtful thing I've said so far. Is Michael Pittman that much better than DJ Moore? I'm just going to let it sit. I think it's worth a conversation. Debo has the ceiling. Lacks the consistency. Injured all the time. On a team that's good. I talked about the problems I had with Debo. Overall, I feel like this trade is relatively neutral. If anything, I'd probably give Dylan the slight edge. I like getting the second round pick back. Pittman is definitely a better asset so far this year, but I think Debo has proven he has an elite ceiling. And it's hard to acquire players that have an elite ceiling. Maybe that season was a one-season wonder for Debo, but he's only 27. Yes, he gets injured every year. Uh, But I think... You know, it's a good deal. Makes sense for both teams. Dylan needs some higher end assets. And like I said, Debo's getting 12 targets a game the rest of the season. So we'll call this one neutral. Next up. The trash can deal, as I'm going to call it. This really shows how far we've come from the startup draft. This is this trade is the perfect picture of how much values have changed. Sloan Schaefer receives Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell. And he gives up to Brian, Brian involved in both trade deadline deals, Dalvin Cook and Miles Sanders. Now let's break this down. Brian receiving Dalvin Cook. Startup pick 1.07. The startup draft was only three years ago. This, look, Cook was older when we did the startup draft, but this shows the intensity of the RB cliff. Cook averaging 2.8 yards per carry. That's low. That's that's so low. Now I get it for Brian. I'm not, this is no criticism of Brian. I actually think this deal makes a lot of sense for Brian. You own Brees Hall, get his back up in Dalvin Cook. There's something funky going on with these yard per carry numbers. I don't think Dalvin Cook is actually that horrible now. I think it's some weird stuff with the Jets. I don't mind it. You know, there's maybe some opportunity there. I love the buy low of Miles Sanders. You're giving up Elijah Mitchell, a backup running back. Now, Christian McCaffrey, often injured. Uh, but I'm staying on Brian's side for now. I'm, I'm looking at Brian's side. We'll get to Sloan. Going into this season, Sloan acquires Miles Sanders for a 2026 first. 
I loved that deal for Sloan. I was jealous of that deal. I would have given up a 2026 first for Miles Sanders. I actually tried to do it. Colin said he wanted to see where his team was at, but he gets it. He gets that, Miles Sanders. Sanders looks like an absolute dud this year. He has lost the starting job to Chuba Hubbard. But again, Brian picking up Chuba Hubbard last week on the margins with Matt and that Heineke deal. Looking crazier by the day. Okay, not that crazy, right? We're talking, again, these are fringe deals, our moves at the fringes of your team. But he gets the backup. Chuba goes down, Sanders goes down, Brian's covered. These are the kind of moves you have to make when you have no picks. I love this deal for Brian. Kudos, Brian. Way to go out to Sloan. Miles Sanders just put up a stinker on Thursday night, and Brian was there. He trades away Jeff Wilson Jr., probably the third string running back in Miami. Roster clogger is Jeff Wilson. Elijah Mitchell, definitely the best asset that Sloan gets back in this deal. Backup running back for Christian McCaffrey, like I mentioned, often injured. Elijah Mitchell has proven he can be a starting running back in the NFL but only when he is not often injured. This makes sense, though. Sloan is the McCaffrey owner. We're heading into the end of the trade deadline. If McCaffrey goes down, Elijah Mitchell is definitely a downgrade from the number one running back in the NFL, but he's a serviceable fill-in. I'd expect you know anywhere from 12 to 18 touches a game for Elijah Mitchell if McCaffrey gets injured. Like I mentioned, Jeff Wilson, the third string running back. Sloan has Raheem Mostert. If Mostert goes down, Mostert, very old, 31 years old, putting up an incredible season. Love to see that boiler blood in the NFL, showing him that you can do it at any age. There's hope for us, boys. (laughs) He's 31. We're only in our mid to late 20s. Jeff Wilson, though. I don't think he's actually a real backup if Mostert goes down. I think you see some kind of weird timeshare. I actually believe Jeff Wilson is washed, but I get this deal for both teams, actually. Sloan gets some backups. Brian gets some backups. I'm going to assume that Brian initiated this deal. No offense, Sloan, but I love it for both teams, actually. Particularly Brian, though. That Miles Sanders by low. I don't know if he's totally dead. This this Carolina team is garbage. Horrible team. But overall, it's a fun deal. Those are the deals that have been made thus far. Do I think anything else really comes through before the deadline? I think pending any injuries on Sunday, I would be surprised. Mike and I were texting about this earlier this week, both talking about how quiet it's been. I have been trying to get a hold of of the father of the boys, Robert Wilson, and nothing. I have to text him at least three times for him to respond, typically just saying that he's been really busy. I've tried to lay off young Robert this whole season, but these last couple weeks, I haven't been able to help myself. I know he's dealing with young Theo, Hey, hope Theo's continuing to feel better, Tommy. Love you. 
I would also love if you responded to my text a little bit better. I get it. Nobody likes to text me back when it comes to trades. Only Mike, Brian, sometimes Matt, although pretty spotty, pretty much just Mike and Brian will text me back consistently. Um, yeah, just text me back, Tommy. But I don't think any other deals are going to go through. I think teams are set. And I honestly don't blame Tommy for not making a deal. I think he could make his team better for this year's playoffs. But a lot of teams are at this inflection point right now where if you make one or two really bad deals or deals that turn out to be really bad, obviously in the moment, most deals appear pretty neutral. We're not going to go too far down that path. But if you make a deal that turns out to be really bad at this trade deadline, very few teams have a lot of roster flexibility right now. You could ruin your team for two or three years. We've seen teams that are getting punished already in the dynasty format. And every year we get further from that startup draft, dynasty gets harder. So I applaud you guys. Stay the course. Dylan has proven it's a viable strategy. For the most part, Sloan and Tommy have proven it's a viable strategy. The teams that have been making moves consistently, right? You see Mike and I probably at the one end of the spectrum of very much benefiting from it. But Mike's at the bottom of the table. We'll get there. Get to the draft. If you're going to make a push for the playoffs, you know, you have to decide you want to do that. But I don't think either Brian or Austin have the resources and or really the ability to compete this year that I actually think it's worthwhile to make the push to go in. I think we'll get to years in the future where we won't have like super teams like we have now. Uh, we'll have good teams, but I think the that making that push for that final playoff spot will be a lot easier. Right now we have three locked in solid playoff teams that would be very hard to beat in any three-week stretch. That number is going to taper down to two, maybe even one over the next few years. And if you can even get into the playoffs, I think the volatility of the playoff performances will make it worth it. That's all I have on trade deadline. I hope more deals come through. I would love to see a big move. I just don't see anything out there that really makes sense. Let's get into it. You just heard me mention it. The bottom of the table. On good puts up the week of his life last week. 141 points. 10 table points. Insane performances across the team. Joe Mixon. Highest points he's put up all year. Darnell Mooney. Highest points he's put up all year, barring week one. That was only 10.7 points, by the way. Real testament to Darnell Mooney. Dak Prescott. Second highest points he's put up all year. Rashad White. Highest points he's put up all year. If you're on good, this is the kind of week that you needed. All of the pieces came together. And you made some other people scared. 
huge kudos to Angad. He puts up 141. Colin puts up 96.44, third to last. Mike puts up 105.32 and finishes in fourth to last. The table now stands. Michael, 31 table points. Colin, 31 table points. Ongood, 34. Matt, 40. Matt putting up the all-time stinker performance of any team in our league's history. Congratulations, Matt. 38.68 points needs to be applauded. That is, it's just incredible. You had, you, every single person on your team did absolutely horribly. I don't, I honestly don't know how that even happens. Your team isn't that bad, right? We've seen consistently it can put up a good amount of points, but no touchdowns. Zero touchdowns across every single player. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I like to complain about only one touchdown or two touchdowns, but nothing from your quarterbacks. Now you do get that Daniel Jones injury, which really hurts, but kind of thir- putting up 38 points is a point of pride. In my opinion, I like it. You're still safe from Waffle House. You're getting a little scared, but I don't think you're consistently six, like nine, you're nine points clear of last place. I don't think Mike or Colin are going to be consistently nine points ahead of you. Now at the top to middle of the table, Tommy finishes with 70 points, second to last. Again, kind of continuing his stretch of mediocre performances. Over the last three weeks, he's gone two, four, two. Injuries are really piling up. Tommy has been the most unlucky team in the league this year which let's be honest, he kind of deserves after the first two years. But I'm sure he'll be perfectly healthy come playoff time, and then he'll pull off that three-peat. So as long as he can make it into the playoffs, I think he's feeling pretty good. But you look at a team like Austin, 8-6-9 the last three weeks. He's making up a lot of ground. Having Jonathan Taylor back has been a huge help. Will Levis is looking like a serviceable quarterback where Ryan Tannehill wasn't. Brian also putting up 7-10-1 over the last three weeks. That one really hurts for Brian. That was in a week where Tommy only put up 98 points. He couldn't get past him. But Brian's having some positive momentum as well. There's only a seven-point gap between fourth and fifth place. I think Brian has a real shot to make it into the playoffs. This is why I've said I think Tommy should try and make some deals, at least around the fringes, to make his team a little bit better. Um. But maybe he's not concerned with making the playoffs this year. He's got Jamar Chase. He's got Amon Ra. Justin Fields, I don't. I think we're overreacting in terms of what he is. Uh, this is a classic fantasy overreaction compared to where the NFL is really at. Bajan 007 is not the real deal. He's a fine, not really even a fine fill-in. They hardly beat the 1-7 Carolina Panthers this last week. But if you're Tommy, you're feeling a little scared. Uh, but he's probably not feeling scared because, you know, you, we know where he's at when it comes to fantasy football. If it was me, I would be scared. Um, but I digress. The top of the league continues to thrive. Uh, a little bit of an underperformance from Sloan and I this week, but again, we stay in the top half of the table. It would take a miracle. I think at this point for one of Sloan, Dylan and I to miss the playoffs. I am 18 points clear. Dylan is 22 points clear. And Sloan is 27 points clear. 
And with only five weeks left, we would need to see some monster performances from some of these mid to lower table teams. And I think bye weeks aren't going to allow that. I am very glad that the bottom of the table has gotten more competitive at this point. We spent a whole podcast in like week five talking about how Angad is going to go to Waffle House. How boring, right? We're back. I've texted Colin and Mike to see if they want to make some moves. I've got a deep team. I've got some bets that you could buy that would make your chances a little bit better. I respect that none of them are trying to buy players. Colin saying, if I go to Waffle House, I'm going to Waffle House. Same with Mike. Calling people weak who try and make moves to avoid Waffle House. Feels like a bit of reverse psychology if you ask me. I don't understand why Mike wouldn't try to avoid last place. But, you know, good for him. He's, uh... He might finish last. He has the least amount of points scored in the league. Mike's team has never finished above five points in any table week this entire season. Props to Mike for being consistently bad. And I guess that's what happens when you start two running backs from the same team. Overall, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, You know, my team, I would say... I've been a little disappointed, honestly. I I still can't consistently beat Sloan. I don't really understand why. Uh, maybe it's because Geno Smith has not been too great this year. Um, but when I look at that starting lineup, I just feel like one mid-tier quarterback should not be the reason why I can't be at the top of the league consistently. So I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, and I'm not going to make any moves around trade deadline unless somebody comes to me with a great deal. Like I said, I'll probably make some of those edge moves if people actually respond to my texts, but I doubt that they will. So we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Kyler Murray's coming back for me, which is great. I'm really excited about that. Uh, but I need some more out of Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, the studs on my team. Bijan Robinson, you know, this has been a weird year for him uh, with Tyler Algier kind of being there and the Falcons being garbage as a team. Uh, I'm really feeling the pain of fantasy football because on paper, I have made the moves to go all in and I'm not being rewarded for it, which hurts. You know, you see a team like Sloan and Tyreek Hill is a good player, but he is so far and above the wide receiver one this year. It's just like, for real, he goes to Miami and he's actually better Dylan, you know, Josh Jacobs, not that, not as great this year as he was last year. Somehow the RB5 last year. Don't worry, Travis Etienne. Oh, no, Dylan doesn't have a tight end. Don't worry, Sam Laporta's there. I could use a little bit of this Sloan and Dylan luck. My team is good, but I just don't feel like I've been lucky in this league. And it hurts. All right, guys, I've been going on this podcast. And the more I've gone, the more fun that I've had. I might go solo again later this year. I don't know. I know Sloan's a very busy man. The only time he was available this week was on Wednesday night 
that was close day four for me, uh, which if you're a finance person, that means that it's really fucking busy. And so I wouldn't have been available until like seven, my time, which would have been way past Sloan's bedtime. I'm looking forward to being on with Sloan a couple weeks. I'm hoping the trade deadline yields a little bit more action so that the Doughboys can bring us some hot takes. Uh, I feel like I, I love their trade analysis. Like I mentioned, the week that they were talking about my trade with Colin, my favorite podcast to listen to of the season. So much fun for me. So I'm hoping we get a little bit more of that. Closing thoughts. I love playing fantasy football with you guys. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. And I hope anyone but Sloan wins the championship. Love you guys.